The part that Pastor Eric loves to do gets you to stop talking, to stop being in community, to stop loving each other. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lighthouse, I'm so excited to be able to preach to you guys, to be able to speak the word of God. I'm so blessed. I'm so honored that uh, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Eric found me and uh, thought it, I would be okay to speak to you guys. <laughs> uh, it's it's been a, it's been an awesome journey. Just a little bit of background. I know a lot of you. I'm still kind of an unfamiliar face. Um, I'm from Arizona. I grew up, born and raised there. I grew up in the church, so I think I got saved at probably about eight years old. A pastor said, "Hey, if anyone wants to, you know, accept Jesus into your light," I was a little guy. I said, "Yes." And then I continued to get saved about six years later, every other Sunday or so, every time he said, if anyone wants to get saved, raise your hand. And so somebody said, like, hey, you know, you don't have to keep doing that. You don't have to keep raising. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. Like, you know, it's just I thought it was a thing you had to do every time. Um, but that was me. You know, I just grew up there. Um, I moved to Orange County to go to school at Vanguard University, just down the street. I graduated there. I'm now coaching track, track and field cross country at a high school. I'm an intern here. Um, I'm working with kids a lot, apparently. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm also a competitive runner. I, I run a bunch. Um, and I won't even tell you about that. It'll get you tired hearing about it. But, uh, it's Palm Sunday. It's just an honor to be here. Honor to, to speak on Palm Sunday. It reminds me of a story of, uh, the, you know, a boy and his father, they would go to church together all the time, and they were religious about it, no pun intended. Um, they were going to church day in, day out. One day, the little boy gets sick. You know, it's a Saturday evening. He comes down with a fever, and he's he's sweating, and he doesn't, he's not feeling good at all. The father wakes up Sunday morning, sees him like this. He says, well, son, you can't go to church today. I'm sorry. It's You're too sick. The boy was devastated. He was, oh, okay, fine. I won't go. And He's waiting and waiting upon his father's return after church. He goes, how was it? How was, how was, how was church today? I, I missed it. I wanted to be there with you, Dad. And he goes, oh, you would have loved it, son. You would have loved it. It, it was Palm Sunday today. And, and he goes, well, what's Palm Sunday? What does that mean? Well, it's, it's the Sunday, you know, Jesus came and he was riding on a donkey and there was palms and, and people were praising, singing Hosanna and, and oh, it was glorious. You would have loved it, son. And he goes, oh, come on, Dad. The one day I don't go to church, Jesus shows up. I'm going to be reading the story of Palm Sunday to you guys today. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. And um, I just want to go through the text first, through the story. And then I'm going to go one by one and just break it down. And I, I believe God is going to preach out of this word, out of this message today. Uh, so let's just read through it together. Matthew chapter 21. Verse 1 through 11, I'm reading out of NIV. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt and the fall of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. 
They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches and trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, I like to read the text. I like to get through the, through the bulk of it um, because, I don't know, it just, I like to picture things. I like to be imaginative. So I don't know if you've ever mowed your grass, okay, uh, or cut a tree, but this says that the crowds were cutting trees. And I can't get over the fact that it probably smelled, you know, that, that fresh cut of smelling grass, you know, that cut of a tree branch ripping off of the thing, whatever. Um, I don't know if we ever actually cut things off of trees or rip it off like that. I don't, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> but um, it might have smelled. I'm thinking this, it's smelling. Uh, you think of Jesus. His first miracle was turning water into wine at a celebration in the, in the wedding. And I can't help but think that this is just a celebration as he's walking in. Hosanna, Hosanna. And I also can't help but think maybe there was some food involved, you know, I know it might be difficult to picture because of my body's very skinny, but I love food and I can eat a ton and I will out eat you at your favorite food if you give me the chance. And I can't help but think that some of the people walking into this place, into this awesome, this picture of Jesus walking in, right? That Jesus had some sort of holy manna tacos going on. You know, there was had to be some food going on. There had to be food. It was a celebration. They're not just going to sing and have hundreds of thousands of people come in and then and then nothing. You know, the text doesn't say there's food, but um, I don't know. You know, there's no my hypothesis of the manna tacos. There's been yet there's yet to present evidence of that. So don't quote me on that. But we can hope. <laughs> we can pray. You know, we can think when we get to heaven, there's going to be some holy man and tacos, you know. Amen. <laughs> Verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. So the Mount of Olives is the same place, by the way, that Jesus was crying, stressed out. He That was where he shed his, his bloody tears, his tears that were blood of the stress. That was the same place that Jesus was betrayed and arrested. That was the same area that he actually ascended back into heaven later in Acts chapter 1. This is the same spot. So before the story even begins, he's in a place of this zone where he's already going to be. So he's being praised right now. He's lifted high because of our words, right? And then he's going to be lifted into heaven later on at the same spot. That's that's awesome. Verse 2 goes on, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. So pause. Let's see what, the, what this clump is trying to tell us right here. So the donkey, first of all, there's two donkeys here. There's a mother, and then there's a younger. The colt is a young donkey. It's the firstborn of the mother. Uh, the Gospel of Mark actually deems it a colt that has never been ridden before. So it's a pure, no, nobody's, you know, this is the donkey. And you have to figure out, you know, the donkey kind of messed me up. I, I was trying to figure out what the donkey was about. You know, why, why, I've heard it before. I've seen uh, plays or skits with donkeys. And just try to figure out what is the donkey representing. 
Why king of kings? No other king, right? We, we serve no other king. Why is he riding a donkey? What's, what's the purpose? Um, other kings in that time are going to enter in magnificently. Okay, they're going to come in and they're going to be grand. They're going to be riding war horses, thoroughbred, maybe speed horses. They'll be on chariots, uh, war elephants. Think Aladdin, you know, and he enters into the city and his Prince Ali, all that stuff. Think that. There's glory, there's gold, chains, all kinds of things, whatever they had. Um, and that's just total opposite of what we get for our king, Jesus. He's just on a donkey. He's not riding on some, you know, platinum, silver saddle. He's riding on just the cloak of his disciple. That's just, I, I think what the donkey's trying to represent is everything opposing the world. He's not of the world. It's opposite of, of those kings. Those kings are trying to assert their dominance. They're trying to say, we have authority. We have power. We're going to conquer. We're going to do things. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm coming with love. I'm coming with peace. I'm coming with joy, and I'm coming to not assert dominance and not do that, but to love you, to understand understand that. So that is huge. That's a big significance, okay? Other kings, other kings might do that. So the, the, the other part of that verse, uh, it says, you know, if anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them. Uh, the Lord, that's... To me, okay, this is, okay, I don't know how to, did his disciples, what did they think at this point? Did they understand, you know, the, were they like, okay, Jesus, do you have some sort of previous uh, arrangement with the owner of these donkeys? Is that how this is, ha- is there, who are we talking to? Where are these donkeys coming from that all we have to say is the, the Lord needs them? Okay, let me just, all right, here we go. I go to Starbucks and I'm purchasing coffee for Pastor Eric. And I get a few cups. I don't he's a big guy, I don't know. And I have them there and then they tell me my total and he go, I go, "No, no, actually I'm just going to I'm just going to take them because the Lord needs them." <laughs> See how crazy this kind of sounds now? Are they just stealing donkeys? Are they just taking? I don't think we can use the Lord needs them everywhere you go in life and just grab things, whatever you need, acquire them. And oh, the Lord needs them. I, I, th- I think you'd understand. Um, thank you. And I'm just going to take these now. <laughs> that's just that's just my brain. You know, that's just that's a silly thought. That's how Jesus. OK. OK. And so I started looking into the word. What is he really saying here? What's happening? What's this Lord? What's this thing? The Lord needs them. Um, I, I looked into scholars think that those donkeys were just kind of there. They actually weren't in. He didn't say, say to the owner, um, the Lord needs them and they would understand. He said, if anybody asks you, it's almost like a miracle that the donkeys are sitting here tied up in the first place, that they are present before, and he needs this donkey to take. Not only that, he says, the Lord needs them. In the text, in Jesus' writings, and all of what he does, he doesn't use this word Lord anywhere else to refer to property, okay? He uses this word Lord here to refer to lordship as a bigger, a grand. He's not an owner of the donkey. He's lording the donkey. So what is this donkey representing again? Peace. Love, 
Jesus isn't just telling them to go get me some donkeys. He's telling them, I am Lord of the donkeys. I am Lordship. I have Lordship of peace. I have Lordship over that donkey and everything it represents. Come on, come on, someone help me out here. Help me. Thank you. My background also, just because, oh, my background's a little more charismatic. I, I grew up in a very charismatic, non, non, non-denominational church, and I love hearing amens or claps or snaps. And if you don't give it to me, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait for it. Okay. I'm just going to sit there. We can stare at each other all day, but just, yep. That's all I need. A little, yep. There we go. Thank you. Woo. All right. I get excited. I'm sorry. Okay. If the donkey represents peace, that's what Jesus was saying. I lordship that peace. Okay. That's amazing. That's huge. That's huge. He owns it. Verse 4 goes on. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see the king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the fall of a donkey. So uh, Matthew is the author of this whole scripture. Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians. Jewish people in this time are going to know two things very, very well. They're going to know the law that was written back the Pentateuch. Uh, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, they're going to know that very well. And prophecy is the other one. And prophecies are written all throughout. This is actually a quote from Zechariah, this quote that he says, um, you'll see him riding on a donkey. That's amazing that it was written in the Old Testament that this is your king. He's going to be coming on a donkey, and now it's becoming fulfilled. Jesus just walked, okay? He didn't take camels. He didn't get tired and walk. You know what? Let's just just call an Uber. Let's get a lift and take it to Jerusalem. I'm a little bit weak this time. You know, he didn't do that. He was walking everywhere he went. So for him to get on a donkey, this is the first time the disciples and everyone around are going to see him riding anything. And they're like, is this laziness? What's going on? Is he tired? Is he weary? No, he served a purpose. He knew exactly what he was doing. He had to fulfill prophecy. So when Matthew's writing this text to us now, we have to understand that he's writing that because the Jewish people would then understand, wow, this is the prophecy that we learned as children. And this is the man who's fulfilling that prophecy coming to save us as our king, our Messiah. That's it. That's the text. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Man, you all ain't ready. Let's go. Let's keep chugging along. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. So I just want to pause right here because Jesus' disciples weren't always this like unquestionably obedient. Okay, they weren't always just like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. That sounds kind of weird and and whatever. I'm going to go do that. They weren't always like this. Okay, but in this instance... It just seems like they were. In this instance, they seem like, okay, he's our Lord. Just as he's Lord over those donkey, he's, he's going to go. He's going to do. And they did it fast. What I'm trying to say is that when we, as us today, recognize Jesus as our Lord, things are going to start to change, okay? Your attitude is going to start to shift. Your obedience, your listening, your trust will start to become like that. It starts to become instantaneous, when Jesus speaks, you listen. When Jesus says, go, you go. And you see, he says, go pick up a couple donkeys from those people and say, the Lord needs them. You're going to go do that right away, right? I don't know if that's ever going to be a case in our day. I don't know. 
I don't even know where to find a donkey around here, to be honest. I'm not sure where. Is it by Back Bay? I'm not sure. Uh, I've seen horses. <laughs> he said, look around. Wow. It was him. That wasn't me. Was... Let's keep going. Let's let the text, let's let the text preach. I'm going to stop preaching. It's just going to be the guru. It's just going to be God. Okay. <laughs> Verse eight says a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. While others cut branches from the trees, spread them on the ground, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Wow. So this, this is the clump. This is our Palm Sunday. By the way, palms were only mentioned in the Gospel of John. That's why here it just says tree branches, but we deem it Palm Sunday. It was a glorious day. It was an awesome picture. This is... Palm Sunday, in a nutshell, this is verse 8 and 9. Hosanna means save us. They're screaming, save us. Son of David, they, the people of that time would know law and prophecy very well. They would also know that from the Davidic line would be their Messiah. So for them to say Hosanna to the son of David was a huge turn of events for for the internal brain of the church okay so those people are now acknowledging for the maybe the first time in public that they're screaming out hosanna it's the son of david they're acknowledging that this man riding on this donkey is actually the true messiah that they believe in that they were taught as young kids to believe in okay that's crazy that's a big deal verse 10 says when jesus entered jerusalem the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. So there's a couple things happening. There's a crowd that was actually following Jesus from Jericho. He was coming from Jericho, going out towards Jerusalem, okay? And then there's a crowd in at the outside skirts of the Jerusalem walls, and that's where this is happening, his entrance into Jerusalem. So we got two big crowds here. And I, you have to ask, why is verse 10 and 11 even included in the story? It should have ended with people praising him and saying, hallelujah, hosanna, in the highest. And 10 and 11, there's a switch. The people, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, so the verses prior, he's outside. He's outside of the gates. There's the crowd one crowd that is cheering him on, saying Hosanna. He enters Jerusalem. We have the second crowd who is questioning who he is and what's going on. There's a stirring. That word stirred is actually the same word that was shaken, means sh like an earthquake. It's the same word Matthew uses to describe when the earth shook, when Jesus died on the cross, okay? When the ground was rumbling, when, it, when, when um, the same word again that was used when the Boulder was removed and Jesus rose from the dead. This is the weight, the power. I don't know if we've just, if maybe you've overlooked Palm Sunday a few times, but there's actually a lot going on on Palm Sunday that is significant to next week. It's Easter, okay? We can't do Palm Sunday without doing Easter later. It doesn't work like that. We have to give him that praise now and he has to give us that praise later, you know? There's two crowds. One crowd with him, one crowd against him. The crowd against him, so they looked at people from Galilee very, uh, they didn't look with, at them with high regard, okay? 
They, they thought little of people from Galilee in general. And for them to say this in verse 11, the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. For them to say that means they really didn't think anything of this guy. That's just a weird guy on a donkey riding in. There's some palm branches out there. It's kind of weird. I don't know what's going on. That was, that's it. That's their thought process. Okay. They're saying he's a prophet. Two verses before, the people with him were saying he's our Messiah. He's our chosen one. And these people are saying he's just another guy. He's just another prophet. As soon as he dies, this will all die with him. That's their mentality. That's their thinking. Jesus, I think we can learn something from him always. But in this case, why would they add verse 10 and 11? Because I think Jesus was on a mission, okay? He's on a purpose. He's going to Jerusalem for a reason. When he knows his identity is in Christ and in, in his father, I should say, right? Not in Christ. Um, Jesus knows what his plan is and he's going this way. And there's going to be people that are questioning him once he enters into those gates. And he, he's still moving towards his purpose, towards his goal. Okay, there's, doesn't matter what those people are looking at him funny, asking him where he's from, questioning every move, everything he does, because his goal isn't them, his goal is ahead. You're not, you're not hearing me. Okay, we have purpose, right? We have identity. We are, we've been on this life on a purpose journey for a while now. And once you get it, once you know your worth, your value comes from the Father, just as Jesus did. It doesn't matter what happens. There's going to be two crowds, okay? When you have your purpose, there's going to be two crowds. The one crowd is here. We're going to be cheering you on. But as soon as you step into the place where you need to be, because as soon as Jesus stepped into Jerusalem where he needed to be, what happened? People started questioning. People started giving him ridicule. That's where he ended up getting arrested and dying. Spoiler alert, okay? That's sad. But here we go. We're going anyways because that's his purpose. He served a greater purpose. When you're on a purpose, guys, when you have God in your life and he's driving your force, he's your passion, when he's taking you places, there's going to be people that question you. There's going to be people that come against you. There's going to be voices and text messages and memes and videos and things you will see on the internet and the TV screen that will come against your life. But you know, you have to know who you are for. And that's the Father. He's greater. He's got a bigger plan. He's going to take you bigger places, right? Come on, let me hear it. He's going to take you somewhere, and you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready to move. You've got to be ready to go. You've got to be ready to say, nope, I'm not going to listen to this person. My purpose is there. You're going to say, nope, I'm not going to listen to you. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be those close to you being those negative words. Understand that. You got to know your worth. Know your worth. There's two crowds, okay? One for him and one against him. And it doesn't matter. He goes in and he makes his taco manna heavenly. Mm. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Mm. That's going to happen. Because I spoke it into existence. You're going to get to heaven. We're going to be in heaven. And you know what? You're going to be like, you know what? This this guy was right. That weird guy with the weird shirt. He was right. He was good. <laughs> Man. God is so good. 
But I was puzzled. I was, I was getting this story. I was getting this message ready to go, and I was still stumped by the donkey. Okay, I'm going to come back to the donkey. I know we thought we were done with the donkeys. We're not done with the donkey. Um, I started digging around, and I, I found something that shook me up, okay? It, um, I don't know, shiver me timbers. It made me shooketh. I don't know if I'm hitting the right generations here. Uh, let's see, what else? What kind of got me out of my uh, couch? I don't know, whatever. It messed me up in a good way, okay? I started digging around and said, there has to be more. The donkey, yes, it represents peace. Yes, it represents Everything opposite of the world. That's amazing. Jesus lordships over that. And I love that. But there's gotta be more. What else does this donkey represent? And I started, I started searching. I started figuring out. And so it led me to a verse in Exodus chapter 34 verse 19 and 20. It says, the first offspring of every womb belongs to me. Let's just pause right there. First offspring of every womb belongs to me. This is, Exodus is a book of, this was the commandments listing. This is God speaking to Moses. This is a law from God himself. The first offspring from every womb belongs to who? To God, including all firstborn males of your livestock, whether from herd or flock. Now this is the first part of verse 20. Redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb. Now it specifically goes into donkey with what? A lamb. Who? Oh, come on. You all are ready. <laughs> Jesus is the lamb of God. He told the disciples, go get those donkeys. And he broke a law not sacrificing a lamb. He rode the younger one, the firstborn donkey, Right? The firstborn livestock needs to be redeemed by a lamb. Jesus didn't redeem a lamb then because he was the lamb riding it into Jerusalem. Let's go. Okay, don't stop there. Let's go. You guys ready? You guys ready? I'm bringing it home. I'm bringing it home. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Okay, now it says the first offspring of every womb belongs to me. Now this is kind of a, this is a jump. Can you stick with me? Are you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about something that's amazing. He talks about the first creation and the second creation. Jesus, God is the creator of Adam and Eve. From dust, he created man. And then he says that from heaven, he created Jesus. There's two sons, essentially. One son, Adam, that God had, and the second son, Jesus, that he had through Mary. There's the firstborn, Adam, the secondborn, Jesus. Okay? Are you with me still? Adam represents who? Us. He represents humanity. God created two beings in this entire universe. It was humanity and then Jesus. If the firstborn from every womb belongs to God, we, humanity, belong to God. If the firstborn needs to be redeemed by a lamb, ladies and gentlemen, we have been redeemed by Jesus, the Lamb of God.
That's God's law. That He wrote that law. He knew his law. He wrote it. Come on. He said, I, I created you to you. I belong, you belong to me. And then I'm going to redeem you anyways, because that's my law and I got to follow it. Jesus rode this donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday for many, many reasons. But most of the reasons of all is that you should know that he is your savior. He is your redeemer. There was a plan from day one. From day one when Adam messed it up <laughs> and Eve messed it up and there has been a plan of redemption and this is about to be in its fullness in its entirety. This is Palm Sunday. This is entrance into Jerusalem and now he's going to be serving and, and, and Good Friday service is coming and Easter service is coming and we're just going to dig into it more. And this is the God. This is the king who we serve. I name this thing, all of this, no other king. Okay, this is no other king will do this kind of thing. No other king would do this kind of thing. No other king would do this kind of thing. Man. There's a video that I want to play, and I think it encaptures everything I kind of spoke to, and a little bit more. It's talking about no other king, the King Jesus whom we serve. And it's, it's just an awesome, it's an awesome video. I want you guys to respond with this challenge. You're going to listen to it and watch it, and then we're going to worship with you. But I want you to understand that I want you to know no other king. I want you to know this king, first know this king, beyond all other kings. There's a lot of kings out there that you might give your time to, you might give your life to, your expenses to. But today I want you to understand that you need to know no other king. No other king goes before our Jesus. No other king should be in his place. If there's something that is in front of him, tear it down because you need to know no other king. And then to know no other king means to be in relationship with him. Spend time with Jesus. And that's what I want to call. Go ahead and go ahead and play the video for me.